Yes, I know that quite well. Grows less and less inhibited. Last week she had the cheek to appear in something so sheer. My dear, you could see the promised land quite clearly. Darling, come on, show us your claws. The crowd at El Morocco is snarling about some dumb bum who created mass disaster, kicking Elsa in the aster. Blossom? Yes, love. That was me. Hi, I'm Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. Opening on Broadway at the Alvin Theater March 28, 1967, Sherry, with music by Lawrence Rosenthal and book and lyrics by James Lipton, based on the play The Man Who Came to Dinner by George S. Kaufman and Moss Hart, was one of those musicals that begged the question what stories required being made into a musical. The man who came to dinner all began with Alexander Walcott, a larger-than-life character and fixture of the famed Algonquin Roundtable, and one of the most eminent critics and radio personalities of the 1920s and 30s. As writer Jared Brown describes him in his 2006 book, Moss Hart, A Prince of the Theater, Walcott, quote, was one of the most famous men in the United States, a critic of such influence that a word from him could make or break a play or novel, a raconteur whose witticisms and invective were constantly quoted, a frequent visitor to the White House, and the homes of the world's most famous artists and statesmen, unquote. While many prominent people called Walcott a friend, he was also known for his acid tongue and demanding, impossible-to-please attitude. He could be charming and generous one minute, petulant and venomous the next. Walcott counted among his friends the highly successful playwriting team of Kaufman and Hart. One evening, while Walcott was visiting Moss Hart, he made an unusual request. He wanted the team to write a new play for him to star in. Walcott had dabbled in acting before and thought that being in a play would be a new way in which to reach his massive audience. 
The resulting play, The Man Who Came to Dinner, opened on Broadway to great acclaim on October 16, 1939. However, it starred actor Monty Woolley as the Walcott-inspired character Sheridan Whiteside. Far from being insulted, Walcott loved the play but he felt he was too close to the character to play him on stage, at least initially, as he would eventually play the role on stage years later. The musical version of The Man Who Came to Dinner, now titled Sherry, opened in an era when Broadway musicals would use an alternate title from the source material, such as Applause for All About Eve and Sugar for Some Like It Hot. The production took a gambit quite typical for musicals based on straight plays by opening up the story, that is, by adding scenes in locations not featured on stage in the original play. In order to open up The Man Who Came to Dinner, which takes place entirely in the Stanley's living room, it was necessary to maintain the premise that Sheridan Whiteside uses a wheelchair. Therefore, the second-act climax of Sherry moved the action to a nearby skating rink, with several characters on roller skates and Whiteside perambulating in his wheelchair. Actor George Saunders originally was signed to play Whiteside, but when his wife, actress Benita Hume, became terminally ill with cancer, he withdrew from the project in previews. Sanders was replaced by actor Clive Rivell as Whiteside in a cast that included Elizabeth Allen as Maggie, Dolores Gray as Lorraine, and Eddie Lawrence as Banjo. Following the show's closing, the orchestrations were packed for transport to the writer's publisher, but could not be found there later. It was believed that they had been inadvertently put on the wrong truck and, together with the sets, hauled to New Jersey and burned. More than three decades later, music producer Robert Schur discovered the trunk containing the complete score housed at the Library of Congress and contacted lyricist James Lipton, who had by then achieved fame as the moderator of TV's Inside the Actors Studio, to propose an all-star studio recording, including Nathan Lane, who starred in a Broadway revival of The Man Who Came to Dinner in 2000, again playing Whiteside. Bernadette Peters as Maggie, Carol Burnett as Lorraine, Tom Wopat as Bert, Tommy Toon as Beverly, and Mike Myers as Banjo, with Lilius White, Keith David, James Lipton, and Phyllis Newman in small supporting roles. It's from this recording that the song that opened today's program came. The role of Sheridan Whiteside remains one coveted by great actors. John Barrymore, Frederick March, Charles Lawton, and Orson Welles all vied for the 1942 film version of the play, produced by Warner Brothers. According to producer Hal Wallace, even the First Lady herself, Eleanor Roosevelt, called him personally to convince him to put Orson Welles in the film. Welles would eventually play Whiteside in a 1972 TV adaptation. Fortunately for filmgoers, Monty Woolley, who premiered the role on Broadway, was given the rare opportunity to recreate his performance on screen. The Man Who Came to Dinner was presented on radio numerous times, including the July 10, 1942 episode of Philip Morris Playhouse, starring Monty Woolley. 
Theater Guild on the Air, November 17th, 1946, starring Fred Allen. And Lux Radio Theater on March 27th, 1950, starring Lucille Ball as Maggie Cutler. And Clifton Webb, who had starred as Sheridan Whiteside in the Broadway National Tour, repeating the role on the air. What we have for you today is the all-star December 25th, 1949 radio production of the story as presented on the Hot Point Holiday Hour. This being a non-musical version, as with our opening, we'll be peppering in songs from the Broadway score of Sherry throughout the program. Here now are Jack Benny, Charles Boyer, Gene Kelly, Dorothy McGuire, Gregory Peck, Rosalind Russell, Eleanor Audley, Roland Winters, B. Benaderet, and Willard Waterman, with Henry Fonda as narrator and host John Garfield in The Man Who Came to Dinner. Hello, everybody. This is John Garfield. By way of wishing you all a very Merry Christmas, we of the Actors Company bring you an extra special holiday present. George Kaufman and Morse Hart's Broadway hit, The Man Who Came to Dinner, starring Jack Benny, Charles Boyer, Gene Kelly, Dorothy McGuire, Gregory Peck, and Rosalind Russell, with Henry Fonda as narrator, directed by Mel Ferrer. <laughs> for Hot Point, one of the world's great leaders in the development and manufacture of quality electrical appliances, who brings you Hollywood's distinguished actors' company in The Man Who Came to Dinner, with warm-hearted wishes for a Merry Christmas, by more than 10,000 Hot Point dealers and distributors, and the many thousands of employees who make and sell Hot Point, America's fastest-growing line of electric appliances, all electric kitchens and home laundry equipment. And now, on with the Hot Point Holiday Hour, and the man who came to dinner. And now, transcribe your narrator, Henry Fonda. Have you ever had a guest drop in at your house for dinner and stay for two weeks? I mean, aside from your relatives. There might be a better way to upset a household, but they haven't discovered one yet. Anyway, that's what our story is all about. Did you happen to see this week's Time magazine? Well, I got a copy here. Let me read it to you. Quote, Caustic, Sheridan Whiteside, critic, lecturer, wit, radio orator, intimate friend of the great and dear great, last week found his celebrated wit no weapon with which to combat a fractured hip. The luxury-loving Mr. Whiteside, trekking across the country on one of his annual lecture tours, met his Waterloo in the shape of a small piece of ice on the doorstep of Mr. and Mrs. Ernest Stanley of Massalia, Ohio. Result? Canceled lectures and disappointment to thousands of adoring club women in Omaha, Denver, and Points West. Further result, the idol of the airways rests until further notice in the home of surprise Mr. and Mrs. Stanley. Possibility Christmas may be postponed this year. <laughs> Mr. White, 
outside coming out. Yes, Mrs. Sandy. We're getting his wheelchair ready. Oh, somebody please get that phone. Oh, dear. Sarah, see who's at the door while I answer the phone. Yes, ma'am. I'm coming. I intend. We need some pillows. Just a moment, Miss Queen, until I answer the phone. Hello? Oh, yes, Mr. Whiteside is staying here. Miss did you get the pillows? Not yet, Dr. Bradley. I'm sorry, but we're very busy. Now you'll have to call me later. Goodbye. Miss Preen, if the pillows aren't K-pot, we'll have to get rubber for Mr. Whiteside doesn't like feathers. It was the expressman again, Mrs. Stanley. Two more boxes for Mr. Whiteside. A crate from Alaska with two penguins in it. And an octopus from William Beebe. Oh, and a piano came this morning from Arthur Rubenstein. What about the pillows? We'll need at least four of them for the wheelchair. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Sarah, run upstairs and get two more pillows off yes. Mr. Stanley's bed. Yes, Dr. Bradley. Mr. Whiteside wants a dozen bottles of Saratoga spring water, a copy of Bartlett's quotations, and a box of Pine Brothers cough drops. Hello? Oh, hello, Clara. Yes, the phone's been going all day. Yes, I know. Daisy. He just never goes to dinner anywhere. And then this had to happen. Poor Mr. Whiteside. Daisy, will you please give me a moment of your attention? Just a minute, Ernest, dear. I'm so sorry, Clara. Daisy, I must get to the office. I'll speak to you later, Clara. Goodbye. Daisy, I'm sure it's a great honor. Sheridan Whiteside in our house. But it is a little upsetting. Phone going all the time. Doorbell ringing. Messengers. Yes, Sandy. Have the come yet? Well, they're on their way, Miss Cutler. Oh, Ernest. This is Miss Cutler, Mr. Whiteside's secretary. How do you do? How do you do? May I move this chair? Uh, you mean he's coming out now? He is indeed. Oh, Sarah, Sarah. Yes, ma'am. Mr. Whiteside's coming out. Oh, Ernest. Well, here we are, merry and bright. Miss Breen, we'll our little patient out. Mr. Whiteside, these are your hosts. Oh, good morning, Mr. Whiteside. I'm Mrs. Ernest. Stanley, remember? And this is Mr. Stanley. How do you do, Mr. Whiteside? I, I hope that you're better. Thank you. I am suing you for $150,000. <laughs> you, you mean because you fell on our steps, Mr. Whiteside? Uh, Jerry Giesler will explain it to you in court. And now, Mr. Stanley, I shall require the exclusive use of this room, as well as that drafty sewer, which you call the library. What do you mean, sir? My diction is excellent. I would suggest you have your ears blown. <laughs> Mr. Whiteside, if I may say... You may not, sir. I'll call you from the office later, Daisy. Mr. Stanley, uh, here's the menu for lunch. Oh, but I've already ordered lunch. It'll be sent up to you on a tray. Oh. I am using the dining room for my guests. Oh, well... Here, Sarah, prepare this menu for Mr. Whiteside. I'll have my lunch upstairs on a tray. Yes, ma'am. Well, Mr. Whiteside, I think I can safely leave you in your secretary's capable hands. <laughs> shall I look in again this afternoon? If you do, Dr. Bradley, I shall spit right in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a sense of humor you writers have. Uh, oh, by the way, Mr. Whiteside, I've written a book myself. <laughs> it isn't really worth mentioning. Then why mention it? It's very comprehensive. I, I just happen to have a copy with me. It's called 40 Years an Ohio Doctor. I'll leave it here. Yeah. It's only 2,000 pages. Will you read it? I'll be glad to if I can lift it. <laughs> now, now, keep that hip quiet and don't forget those little pills. Good day. Maggie, will you take this 40 years in an iron lung or whatever it's called and put it in the fireplace? Excuse me, but my name is Harriet Stanley. I know you are Sheridan Whiteside. 
I brought you this sprig of holly. I remember what you wrote about Kent and you, the pure. It was the nicest present I could bring you. Goodbye. For heaven's sake, what was that? That? Oh, that was Mr. Stanley's sister, Harriet. I've talked to her a few times. She's quite strange. Strange? She looks like something out of an Adams cartoon. You know, I've seen that face before somewhere. Nonsense, you couldn't have. Oh, well, let's get down to work. What date is this? December 10th. Send a wire to William Paley, Columbia Broadcasting System. For a special New Year's Eve broadcast, we'll have as my guests Yasha Heifetz, Helen Hayes, Albert Einstein, the Lunks, and Maxie Rosenblum. <laughs> Whiteside. Send a wire to Toscanini, counting on you January 4th, Metropolitan Opera House, for my annual benefit, Home for Parole Convict. As you know, this is a very worthy cause and close to my heart. Tibbet, Pons, Pinza, and Margaret Truman have promised me personally to work <laughs> Will you have quiet supper with me and the Ritz brothers afterwards? Whiteside. Excuse me, Mr. Whiteside. Oh, the nurse. Now, what do you want, Miss Cream? It's your pills. It's time to take them. Well, don't come near me. Stay where you are and roll them over. <laughs> if these people intend to have their friends using the front door... What do you want them to use? The rope ladder? I will not have a lot of gawking yokels rushing in and out of this house. Oh, good morning. There's nobody home. The Stanleys have been arrested for smuggling opium. Now go away. Good morning, Mr. Whiteside. I'm Jefferson of the Massalia Journal. Get rid of him. I'm sorry, Mr. Whiteside is seeing no one. Well, you know, if I'm going to be brushed off, I'd like it to be by Mr. Whiteside himself. I never did like carbon copies. Hmm, not bad. And the Massalia, too. Will you please leave, Mr. Washington? Uh, it's Jefferson. How about an interview, Mr. Whiteside? <laughs> I never give them. And will you hand me that box of candy on your way out? Here you are. The trouble is, Mr. Whiteside, that your being in this town comes under the heading of news, and my subscribers want their two cents worth. Hmm. Delicious candy. Pecan butternut fudge. Mr. Whiteside, you mustn't eat candy, Mr. Whiteside. It's very bad for you. Miss Preen, my great aunt Jennifer ate a whole box of candy every day of her life. She lived to be 102, and after she was dead three days, she looked better than you do right now. <laughs> I can at least report to my readers that chivalry is not yet dead. We won't discuss it. I suppose you've written that novel. No, I've written that play. Well, I hope you don't expect me to read it. Well, and how about a brief talk on famous murders? You're an authority on murder as a fine art. My dear boy, when I talk about murder, I get paid for it. All right. What do you think of Massalia? How long are you going to be here? Where are you going? Things like that. Very well. A, Massalia is a town of irresistible charm. B, I cannot wait to get out of it. And see, I'm going from here to Crockfield for my annual visit to the Crockfield Home for Parole Convicts. Jefferson, did you ever hear how Crockfield started? A couple of crooks got together and got crocked. Sit down. <laughs> uh, this aging uh, debutante, Mr. Jefferson, I retain in my employ only because she is the sole support of her two-headed brother. I understand. Well, thanks a lot, Mr. Whiteside, for being so unpleasant. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm a cribbage player if you need one while you're here. Fine, fine. How much can you afford to lose? I usually win. Well, we'll change that. Come back at 8.30. We'll play three-handed with Beatrice Fairfax. Here. <laughs> oh, Mr. Whiteside. There are three men here to see you. Two of them are wearing prison uniforms. And the other one has a rifle. Mr. Whiteside, I don't know who these men are, but I will not stand Then here. go upstairs. Oh. Those are probably my luncheon guests. Jefferson, stay for lunch. Sarah, there'll be one more. Hello.
my side? Well, I brought the boys. Fine, Sheriff, fine. Maggie, uh, take the sheriff's rifle and put it in the umbrella stand. Well, I guess it'll be all right, as long as I keep the cuffs on them. Good, good. Let's go right in. Now, let me see if I can remember your name. You're, uh, you're Michelson, aren't you? A butcher shop murderer? Uh, yes, sir. Thought I recognized you. And you're, uh, you're Henderson, the hatchet thief. Always chop them up in a salad bowl. That right? <laughs> Isn't it? That's right. Gentlemen, I must apologize. We're just having chicken, liver, pepperzini, and cherry jubilee for dessert. I haven't got this chicken, uh, this kitchen organized yet. Right, sir. The chicken either. No, <laughs> Mr. Stanley, your presence is unwelcome. Here, serve the white wine with the fish there and close the door. I don't want a lot of people prying on their better. Gardner, and I wait to find you. Where's Miss Cutler? She went out with Mr. Jefferson. That's the fourth time this week. Be quiet, Dave. Mr. Whiteside, I want to talk to you. I don't care whether you're busy or not. I've stood all that I'm going to stand. Indeed. This is the last straw. Look at this bill from the telephone company. $784. Oklahoma City, Calcutta, Hollywood, Rome, New York, New York, New York. Now, I realize, Mr. Whiteside, that you're a distinguished man of letters. Yes, yes, of course. been able to call our souls our own. We've not had a meal in the dining room once. I have to tiptoe out of the house in the morning. Now, Ernest. Convicts sit at my dinner table. Butcher shop murderers, and furthermore, I don't like coming home to find 22 Cherokee Indians using my bathroom. Uh, for your information, Mr. Stanley, those 22 Cherokee Indians came straight from the White House, where I assure you, you they use the bathroom, too. Mr. Whiteside, my husband didn't mean... Yes, I did. I meant every word of it. There's only one point that, uh, that you make in which I see some slight justice. I do not expect you to pay for my telephone call. Uh, can you provide me with the exact amount? I certainly can, and I certainly will. Good. I shall instruct my lawyers to deduct it from the $150,000 that I am suing you for. <laughs> Come along, Casey, before I lose control of myself. And I'll thank you to stay out of here till I send for you, which I doubt. Harry, really, you've got this room looking like an old parrot cage. Did you nap while I was out? What's the matter, dear? Can't run away with your tongue. Now, don't look up at me with those big cow eyes, you moonstruck hag. Where have you been all afternoon? Smooshing with Bert Jefferson? Oh, Sherry. Bert got his play to me this afternoon. It's superb. I, I, it simply cries out for Catherine Cornell. Here, read it. And if you like it, will you send it to her, Sherry? And will you read it tonight? No, I will not. And while we're on the subject of Mr. Jefferson, you might ask him if he wouldn't like to pay your salary since he takes up all of your time. Oh, Jerry, stop behaving like a spoiled child. Well, you stop acting like Zazu Pitts and explain yourself. <laughs> well, I'll make it quick. Jerry, I'm in love. Nonsense. This is merely delayed puberty. <laughs> no, Jerry. I'm afraid this is it. When you get out of that wheelchair and leave Miss Haley, I stay. You're going to lose a very excellent secretary. I remain completely unconvinced. You are drugging yourself into this Joan Crawford fantasy, and I shall do everything in my power to bring you to your senses. 
Now, you listen to me, Whiteside. I know you. I know what a devil you can be. I'm going to marry Bert if you'll have me. And don't you dare try any of your tricks. And now, if it meets with your approval, I'm going upstairs and wash my hands. Hmm. So Mr. Bert Jefferson turns out to be an Ohio Tennessee Williams. <laughs> so his play is good enough for Catherine Cornell, eh? Hmm. I'll fix that. Hello? Long distance, please. I want to make a transatlantic call. Hello, transatlantic operator? This is Massalia 142. I want to talk to Miss Lorraine Sheldon. S-H-E-L-D-O-N. Sheldon. She's on the Queen Elizabeth. It sailed from Southampton the day before yesterday. Will it take long? My name is Whiteside. Thank you. Oh, come in, Dr. Burton. Good evening, Sarah. Well, well, good evening, Mr. Whiteside. Come back tomorrow, would you, Doctor? I'm busy. Uh, now, what would be the best news I could possibly bring you? You have hydrophobia. <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, Mr. Whiteside, you are a well man. You can get up and walk now. You can leave here tomorrow. What do you mean? Well, sir, I looked at those x-rays again this morning, and do you know what... <laughs> I've been looking at the wrong x-rays. <laughs> I've been looking at old Mrs. Moffat's x-rays. You are perfectly, absolutely well. Lower your voice, will you? Huh? What's the matter? Aren't you pleased? Naturally. Uh, this is a very unexpected bit of news, however. Uh, Dr. Bradley, I have some good news for you, too. I've been reading your book, uh, 40 Years, what is it? An Ohio Doctor. Yes? Well, I consider it extremely close to being one of the great literary contributions of our time. <gasps> Mr. Whiteside. Dr. Bradley, I have a proposition to make to you. What I would like to do is to stay here in Massalia and work with you on this book. Oh, Mr. Whiteside, I would be so terribly honored. Thank you. But there's just one difficulty. You see, if my radio sponsors were to learn that I'm well, I would be forced to leave Massalia. Therefore, we must not tell anyone that I am well enough to get out of this wheelchair. I see, I see. Not even my secretary, Miss Cutler. You understand? Oh, yes, yes, yes. When do we start work? Tonight? I've just got one patient that's dying, and then I'll be perfectly free. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow morning. This is a private call. Would you forgive me? Hello? Yes, I'm on. Tomorrow morning, Doctor. Yes, tomorrow morning it is. You've made me very proud, Mr. Whiteside. Good night. Yes, yes, this is Mr. Whiteside. Put him on. Hello, is this my Lorraine? Blossom girl, when did you land in New York? Tuesday? That's fine. Now, listen closely, my pet. I've discovered a play with a wonderful part in it for you. Now, wait, wait, let me tell you. The author is a young newspaper man in this town. Of course, he wants Kathleen Cornell, but if you jump on a train and get right out here... No, 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 he's young and very attractive. Just your dick. Isn't that exciting? Now, look, don't send me any messages. Just get on a train, drop in, and I'll act surprised. Good. Goodbye, my blossom. Ah. White side. Time for your medicine. Ah, hello, Miss Green. My, you're looking radiant this evening. What? Mr. Whiteside, don't you feel well? Mary, I'm sorry for what I said before. I'm afraid I was a little unjust. That's all right, Maggie. We all lose our tempers now and then. <laughs> I promised to have dinner with Bert and go to a movie, but we'll come back and play cribbage with you instead. Fine, fine. Take your time, Maggie. Enjoy yourself. See you soon, Jerry, dear. Bye-bye. Goodbye, darling. <laughs> if there's a bigger louse than I am, I want to meet him. <laughs> 
men who came to dinner. And now, a brief pause for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hi, this is Porchlight Education Director Rebecca Singer. Thank you for listening to WPMT. If you value programming like this, consider making a donation today at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your consideration and hope you enjoy the show. At Hot Point, we're as old-fashioned in our ideas about Christmas as we are modern in our ideas about electric appliances. So instead of spending a lot of time describing our brilliant new line of Hot Point quality appliances for 1950, we feel it's a good deal more appropriate to thank you for the way you've welcomed our appliances into your home and for the confidence you've placed in the name Hot Point. It is, after all, your recognition of Hot Point value, which has made us one of the world's largest manufacturers in the appliance field. More people choose Hot Point ranges, water heaters, and dishwashers than any other make. More than five times as many people are buying Hot Point refrigerators today as in 1939. Also, there are more Hot Point ranges in use than any other kind. And Hot Point is the world's largest manufacturer of commercial electric cooking equipment for hospitals, naval craft, restaurants, and hotels. We sincerely believe all Hot Point products you can buy today are the very finest that experience, research, superb craftsmanship, and engineering can produce. And now the second act of The Man Who Came to Dinner. Hello? Will you get me Miss Lorraine Sheldon at the mansion house, please? No, I don't know the number. I'm not Errol Flint. <laughs> Hello? Mansion house? Uh, this is Mr. Whiteside again. Has Miss Sheldon arrived yet? Hasn't he? Thank you. Hmm. Nobody around. I wonder if I dare get up a wheelchair. Uh-oh, somebody's coming. Back in the saddle again. Thank you, Sarah. Excuse me, Mr. Whiteside. I'll answer the door. Well, it's a wire from Monty Woolley. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, well. Young, but he's rather sweet, poor lamb. And he's very fond of me. 
Marquis de la Rose. Who can't the city be surprised? Mr. Whiteside, did you get a chance to... Not yet, Dr. Bradley. I'm busy. Oh. Uh, who's that? He fixes the plumbing. <laughs> now, come on, come on. Rain, I want more. Oh, but, Jerry, now put it off this plate. I've been so excited ever since your phone call. Well, here's the situation. This young newspaper man, Bert Jefferson, huh? uh, brought me the play with the understanding that I sent it to Kit Cornell. Huh. Now, that's fair warning. The rest is up to you. Hollywood? Oh, just for a moment. 
Then the place blew up. Mr. Whiteside. No, no, not now, Doctor. Go away. Hmm? Are you hiding someone, Jimmy? Yes, Dr. Kinsey. <laughs> Go ahead, Marcel. More dirt. What happened at Monte Carlo? Well, I tell you, no one is playing roulette this season. Everyone is betting on Lorraine to marry the Marquis. Oh, Maggie, have you ever met the Marquis de Roche? No. It sounds a little bit like this. Oh, 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 my dear, we are on a cast, and you are so beautiful. Look, smell the air. It's so, so invigorating. Reasonable facsimile of an accordion? <laughs> really, I haven't got time to 
argue. Now, Maggie, you must help me. Why, I'd be delighted. I, I have a timetable right here for you. You can make a Friday sailing. Oh, Maggie, darling, you are wonderful. Lorraine, you're making a big mistake. Oh, Maggie, what's the number of that hotel I'm at? Nathania, 3-2. Uh, Nathania, 3-2, please. Oh, look out the window, Sherry. It's starting to snow. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, I never felt more like Christmas in my life. Don't you, Sherry, dear? Shut your nasty little face. Maggie, dear. If I were you, I'd hang on to that bracelet, dear. 
It'll be something to remember him by. Well, you're still here, Miss Sheldon. I thought you were leaving. I've changed my plans. Wild horses couldn't drag me out of here now. Really? Well, good. And I hear you have written a simply marvelous play, Mr. Jefferson. I want you to read it to me tonight, will you? We'll go right back to the mansion house now, and you'll read me your play. Oh, well, I should say so. I'd be delighted. Maggie, did you hear that? Come on, Miss Sheldon. Let's have at it. Yes, let's have at it. See you later, Maggie. Oh, uh, Maggie, uh, this would be a good time for me to go over my radio script. Where is it? On the table. Oh, yes, yes, thank you. Let's see this now. Terry, I think you're the meanest man I've ever met. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Whiteside speaking. On this eve of eve, when my own heart is overflowing with peace and kindness, the most I would like to tell you the story of a lioness Over the years, the name Hot Point has become one of the most valued among electric appliances. The reason is best expressed in our slogan. You can look to Hot Point for the finest first. And that's certainly no idle statement. Forty-five years ago, for example, we built the very first electric range. Last year, Hot Point was first again with a great new contribution to cooking ease and convenience. Hot Point push-button cooking. We pioneered and perfected the electric dishwasher, too, and still lead the field with the only front-opening automatic dishwasher that has Calrod electric drying and a tabletop. Hot Point was also first to dream of all-electric kitchens and laundry. We've made scores of other important advancements throughout our entire line of Hot Point quality electric ranges, refrigerators, food freezers, dishwashers, disposals, water heaters, automatic washing machines, dryers, ironers, and matched kitchen cabinets. In fact, not only ours, but all makes of electric appliances are better today because of Hot Point's pioneering and leadership. Right now, more than ever before, it pays to look to Hot Point for the finest first. Well, of all the ungrateful, irreverent rats, you certainly are the one. Explain if you can what you need with this man when for years you and I have been father and son. It really isn't fair for you to tear my hair when I have let you share the most interesting life of our time. Mine. You are the most infuriating. How can you say that? Have you forgotten everything? My darling Maggie, we've had some fun and games. We shot them down in flames. We rode a private rainbow, you and I. The plumpest, sweetest peach was never out of reach, and no one had to teach us how to fly. Each day was tailor-made to be an escapade. A simple stroll without a soul became a whole parade. You've picked a heartless way to repay fate. Walking out on your playmates, how can you kiss those good times goodbye? It was fun and games They won't forget our names We were a scream as teammates, you and I They loved us at the Ritz In our old vaudeville skits Although I thought the maitre d' would die Ha <laughs> ha! Do you recall Bengal? That lovely free-for-all 
to coin a phrase Those were the days when we were ten feet tall For God's sake, how can you knock the blocks out? Just to wash a man's socks out How can you kiss those good times goodbye? You know I'm right, Maggie It's been a long time Ten years. Ten wonderful years. Ten mad years. Well, you never complained. No. It was my life. And I liked it that way. Damn it, I liked it that way. Fun and games and famous people. Lunch with Shaw and laughs with Garbo. A glorious dizzying flight Tied to the tail of a fabulous kite Right Then a lonely hotel room And the Gideon Bible at night Oh no, you don't! You almost had me hypnotized again have some fun and games. Go find two other days. I can't believe you'd leave me high and dry. Here comes that martyred smile. Cry, little crocodile. Put down your shears, Delilah. Captain Bly. Did I not treat you right? Have I been impolite? This news may shock you quite a lot, but I am not Snow White. How dare you take our good times and kick them? Take your good times and... Careful! How can you kiss those good times? Goodbye! And now for Act 3 of The Man Who Came to Dinner. nausea. Mr. Whiteside, I can only be in one place at a time. That is very fortunate for this community. Now go away and take this medicine with you. Remind me of last week's laundry. I'm taking the one o'clock train, Sherry. I'm leaving. Just a moment, Betty Davis. What are you trying to do? Honestly, Maggie, sometimes you can be very annoyed. You know, you're quite wonderful, Sherry, in a way. You're annoyed. Shall I tell you something? I think you're a selfish, petty, egomaniac, and I was a fool for ever thinking I could trust you. Well, as long as I live, I shall never do anyone a good turn again. I won't ask you to apologize, Maggie, but six months from now, you will be thanking me. In six months, Sherry, I expect to be so far away from you, you couldn't find me with radar. Merry Christmas, Maggie. Hi, Mr. Whiteside. Maggie, I've been calling you all evening. Why didn't you pick up the phone? Well, I, I didn't feel up to it. How'd you hit it off with Madame DuBerry? Miss Sheldon, well, she says the play needs just a little fixing. We could do it in three weeks. She thinks we ought to go to New York together and work on it. Oh. Well, Maggie, won't you say something? I'm just too happy for words. Uh, look, Bert, why don't Mr. you... Mr. Whiteside. Uh-oh, Dr. Jekyll again. <laughs> Mr. Whiteside, I thought perhaps if I came very early, we could talk about my book. 
Dr. Bradley, I'm starting that diet you put me on. Would you fix me two poached eggs on rye crisp and eat it yourself? Yes, yes, of course. Come on, Doc, I'll buy you breakfast. See you later, Maggie. Now, listen to me, Maggie. I'm willing to forgive your silly outburst and talk about this comedy. I, I love it. Oh, Sherry. Sherry, why did you do it? Well, I, I'd better go upstairs and finish packing. I am leaving the nursing profession. 
From now on, anything that I can do to help exterminate the human race will fill me with the greatest of pleasure. Well, you can start with yourself first. Good day. Good day. Now, what do you want, Stanley? Come in, Sheriff. Yes, sir. Mr. Whiteside, this gentleman is the deputy sheriff. If you're not out of this house in 15 minutes, he will forcibly eject you, bag, baggage, wheelchair, penguins, and octopus. I am now going upstairs to smash our radio so that not even accidentally will I ever hear your voice again. You can't miss it today. Sure you don't want my autograph, old fellow? Fifteen minutes, Mr. Whiteside. Ah, you are magnificent. Why would we to Val Howard? I will build you a restaurant and we'll barbecue Duncan Hines. Anything new, Whiteside? No, Banjo. Maggie's taking the one o'clock train out and I have exactly fifteen minutes in which to pull out of my hat the biggest rabbit you've ever seen. What do you mean, 15 minutes? My host has sworn out a warrant. I'm being kicked out. Open the door, Sarah. It's probably some mustard gas from Kaufman and Hart. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, good morning. Is Mr. Whiteside up yet? Yes, sir. Oh. oh, Mary, Christmas, darling. Birthday is magnificent. I've come here to have Christmas breakfast with you. What? Oh, Banjo. What a surprise. How are you? I'm fine, Lorraine. Fine. How's the husband business? Very funny, very funny. It's too bad, Banjo, that your pictures aren't as funny as you seem to think you are. Lorraine, how can you say such things when you know I'm mad for you? Mad, 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 do you hear? M-A-D-E, mad. Let me take you out of all this, Lorraine. Let me take you out of all this and back to the stockyards. Think of anything yet, Whiteside? Yeah, suicide. What time does the boat sail? Ten minutes. What boat is this? A good ship up the creek. Dear, that's probably Bert. I-, I told him to meet me here. The white side, American Express. Right this way, please. Oh, why, Sherry, what's that? Why, it's an Egyptian mummy case. There's one thing I need right now. It's an Egyptian mummy case. Hey, there's a tag on it. It says, Merry Christmas from the King of Egypt. What'd you send him, Sidney Greenstreet? <laughs> Eight minutes, Mr. Whiteside, including that mummy case. Why? What's that all about? Who is that man? He announces the time every few minutes. (laughs) I pay him a small sum. Oh, but what on earth for, Sherry? I lost my watch. (laughs) Oh, you know, Sherry, I think this mummy case is rather beautiful. Just think, Cleopatra might be in one just like that. A woman like myself. But not as cold. A woman who once lived in love, full of the same passions, fears, jealousy, hates, and what remains? Lydia Pinkham? Just this case and nothing more. That's all that remains. Oh, I'd like to open it and stand inside. Yes, yes, Banjo, yes. Here, Lorraine, I'll open it for you. Here, tie it on for size. Here I am, another woman living out her life. I want to cry. Uh, Lorraine, have you ever played Cleopatra? Uh, no, Sherry, I haven't. What makes you ask that? There was something about you. You stood next to that case. It, it transcended any mortal expression I've ever seen. Oh. Yeah, yeah, certainly did. White side, what has transcended me? Quiet, Andrew. Oh, now, Sherry, you're just joshing me, aren't you? My dear, I would make light of these things. I am deeply moved. There's a strange beauty about you, Lorraine. Pure Van Gogh. I would love to see you in that mummy case. 
Lorraine, at this moment, you've shown me rare beauty. You asked me a little while ago what I wanted for Christmas. <laughs> Quiet. All that I want, Lorraine, is the memory of you in that mummy case. Oh, my darling, I, I'm all choked up. All right, I'll do it. Here, Lorraine, let's see. I'm in. Well, stay there. Touchdown. I'll kick the extra point. Will she be all right, man? Sure, I'll punch a couple of holes in her so she can breathe. I'll let her out as soon as we get on the plane. Wait a minute. How do we get this mummy case out of here? Now, one thing at a time. That's the next step. Well, think fast, Captain Hornblower. Think fast. Banjo, I've got it. I hope it's not catching. Mr. Stanley's sister, I finally remembered that thing. If it was me, I'd have forgotten it long ago. I knew I'd remember. The time is up, Mr. Whiteside. Fifteen minutes. Ah, yes, Mr. Stanley. Fifteen minutes. Will you do me a slight favor before I go? I certainly will not. Oh, I think you will, Mr. Stanley. Or shall I inform my radio audience that your sister, Harriet Stanley, is none other than the famous Harriet Sedley, who murdered her mother and father with an axe 25 years ago? Mr. Whiteside, how did you find that out? Now, Mr. Stanley, how would you like to have the good people of Massalia repeating that once popular little jingle? Harriet Sedley took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. And when the job was nicely done, she gave her father 41. Really, Mr. Whiteside, what do you want me to do? Oh, Sheriff, will you come in here, please? Whiteside, you're a great man, and I despise myself for admitting it. You call first? Come right in, Sheriff. Mr. Stanley, would you like to help this gentleman down to the airport with this mummy case? He's sending it to a friend in Nova Scotia. They can't get good mummies up there. Right, Mr. Stanley? Yes, yes. Sheriff, handle that case carefully. Banjo, you're wonderful. I may write a book about you. Don't bother. I can't read. What now? Don't drop that case, Sheriff. It's loaded. Goodbye, Maggie. And Maggie, don't worry about Lorraine. She just stepped out of the country for a minute. Sherry! Sherry, what's that? It was indeed. Bert, is all yours and you have my blessing. Oh, Sherry. Banjo, you're wonderful. Maggie, get me my hat and coat. I'm leaving. Come on, white child. I'll drop you at the airport. Oh, you're leaving, but Sherry, you're here for... Where are you going? Arthur Murray's for a rumble. <laughs> oh, I you do as you're told. Yes, sir, Mr. Whiteside. I'll get to... Come on, Whiteside, hurry up. Before I go to Nova Scotia, I want to stop off at Lindy's for some rye bread. All right, man, go on. Mr. Whiteside, you're walking. Yes, I'm back in shape again, Bert. There's been a slight change of plan. I'm taking your plate to Kathleen Cornell. Maggie will explain everything. Oh, hello, Bert. Hi, Maggie. Well, I don't have to go to New York. Can you stand it? Oh, I think so. Whiteside, drop a cage over these two lovebirds, will you? And come on, we can't keep the salmon waiting. Mr. Whiteside, are you very busy? Yes, Dr. Bradley, very. But if you ever come to New York, try and find me. Goodbye, Maggie, my lamb. I love you very much. Jerry, you're wonderful. Don't tell him he knows it. Goodbye, Jefferson. You'll never know the trouble you caused. Goodbye. I'll walk you to the door. Goodbye. Goodbye, Sarah. Goodbye, Mr. Whiteside. Look out for the milk bottle.
Jack Benny as Sheridan Whitehouse, Charles Boyer as Marcel Duval, Gene Kelly as Banjo, Dorothy McGuire as Maggie, Gregory Peck as Bert Jefferson, and Rosalind Russell as Lorraine Sheldon. Also heard in the cast were Edith Hangold, Eleanor Audley, B. Benedaret, Lois Corbett, Willard Waterman, and Roland Winters. Music was composed, arranged, and conducted by Lee Harleen. Our play was adapted for radio by Hugh Wedlock, Jr. and Howard Snyder, and was produced and directed by Mel Ferrer. This is John Garfield on behalf of the Actors' Company. Thanks for listening, and Merry Christmas. Many of today's cast each have resumes that include Broadway musicals and reviews. Jack Benny appeared in The Great Temptations in 1926 and Earl Carroll's Vanities in 1930. Gene Kelly made his debut in Leave It to Me in 1938, followed by One for the Money in 1939 and his triumph as Pal Joey in 1940 that launched him to Hollywood fame. Dorothy McGuire appeared in Swing in the Dream in 1939. Gregory Peck lent his voice as that of Mr. Ziegfeld in The Will Rogers Follies in 1991. Rosalind Russell debuted in Garrick Gaieties in 1930 and sang and danced in Wonderful Town in 1953. Roland Winters played producer E.F. Albee in Minnie's Boys in 1970, and Willard Waterman played Dwight Babcock in both the 1966 and 1983 productions of Mame starring Angela Lansbury, as well as appearing in the revival of The Pajama Game in 1973. You're standing up! Maggie will explain it all later. How do I do that when I don't understand anything? It's a miracle. Be seeing your rat, girl. You'll never know the troubles you've been. Fear will never see eye to eye. I only stayed because I had to, just in case there's any doubt. God in heaven, am I glad to get out? Take him off! Take him back into the house. Easy, easy. Mr. Stanley, I am suing you for $250,000. I want the Stanleys arrested. I want everyone arrested. Except Miss Cutler and Mr. Jefferson. Get out, Maggie, now, before I change my mind. Go! I want Miss Bree. Get me Miss Theaters across the country need your support now more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael Weber. (laughs) 